So James, I uh, went back to listen to episode 200. Oh. And also episode 100. Oh. Just to see you know, the progress or perhaps lack thereof of the show. You're, way, you're just way better than me. This is what I'm learning right Im- immediately. Immediately. You're better than I am. No, I know. I would, I would let's separate this. Better at going back to listen to old episodes <laughs> rather than just better generally. That's a different question. We haven't measured that yet, but you're you just, right. Right, we've measured other things. You're, you're better at trying at things. Yeah, <laughs> you're good at you're good at putting effort into stuff. <laughs> sure, whether they succeed or not, too early to say. But this show is now three hundred episodes long. Successful, which is a successful barometer slash yardstick of can you keep flogging a dead horse for three hundred episodes over five and a half years? Yeah. Yes. Well, there's a horse being flogged. And, and actually, I've just checked. It's it's actually six years. Maybe six and a half. Wow. We're averaging very low episode <laughs> per week counts. <laughs> it's about, if I'm if I'm thinking correctly, it's maybe about 35 to 40 episodes a year. It's not bad. Which is actually all right. It's like a, it's like a career. Yeah, considering like how, how busy we both are. Well. It's all right. We'll take that. You say both. <laughs> well... Busy in busy. different ways. <laughs> it's all about measurement, perspective. I do have a lot. I got. I do have a lot of output. I am a. I am a. I am a creator of things. You are on the internet for other people. <laughs> and I am very much an editor of things because, dear listener, unedited, the show is a mess, or more of a mess than it currently is. More, yeah, edited is trash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my, no much, my no, feedback. There's no bit of editing that can make us sound intelligent. Yeah. Coherent. Oh, for sure. Or like we even listen to each other. Certainly. The amount of times where clearly I've been too busy thinking about what's coming next that I completely miss something you've said and either then repeat it (laughs) or just fail to pick up on something which was, you know, a good discussion point happens almost every single week. And then I get annoyed at my previous self for not listening. But hey, I get accused of not listening a lot. your, Your job, your job is like all the things. And then my job is kind of just like talk, talk a lot, talk a lot. Uh, so you've got all of those extra things to think about, and I maybe should do some of those things. Okay. Like, share the share the burden. How do you feel now that Seesaw Parade is at the grand old age of 300? Uh, Which is wild, by the way. It's pretty cool. 300 of these. It's very cool to have done a thing uh, for a long time and it still be legitimately like a thing I'm interested in doing. Not just like a chore. That's good. Most things that you do for a long, long time, they just become like a repetitive chore, right? Not this. It gets better every month. It gets better depending on how much sleep we've had. True, true. Slash caffeine intake. Slash what time of day. Slash how much news there is. Oh, that's one of the real ones, yeah. Boy, oh. Oh, for sure. It can be really hamstrung when you're having to talk about variances in the dollar. That was a slow episode. <laughs> but thankfully, we have all of you listening. Yes. Who today, by the way, James, you may be unaware of this, Okay. is Spotify Wrapped Day. Oh, is it? So people can see what podcast they've listened to the most. Wow. And I've already had a couple of people send in, like, send me screenshots off their, hey, you made my top five listen podcasts yes. of the year. How many did you listen Screenshot. to? Screenshot. Three. <laughs> <laughs> You're a third of three. Hey, look, it's better than none of three. So exactly. we'll take that. And thank you to everybody who has made Seesaw Parade their bi-weekly home. Sure. Bi being... Or gay home. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the end of that joke. You just made the bad version. It's cool. Yeah. Well, 
again, uh, the one thing I would take away from listening back to episode 100, episode 200, and okay. yeah, sorry to everybody who's looking for episode zero plus because they're all gone. Deleted. It's funny to hear, again, the trajectory of how we start the show, okay. as well as a lot of you the discussion. You tried to go professional for a little bit. Oh, for sure. But also tried way too hard in the jokes. Now, oh. seeing as I've just made that really horrendous joke yes. about 60 seconds ago... But you did it effortlessly. I, but I'm less worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> in the pa- Like, in the past, I would have really thought hard, okay, how can I be funny? And... Sometimes intentionally planned to say things. Oh, no. Which, yeah, oh, for sure. And so listening back to it is really interesting. And even in episode 200, we get straight, almost like straight into the show. Yeah, no, that was around about the period where you were like, we got to stop talking at the start. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And then we've just reverted back to type. Yes. You know, episode 250 is, uh, again, because I was just looking to see where's this progression? Where do we go back the milestones. to chattier and honestly 250 is is round about that mark okay where episode lengths start to really stretch out truth this bit is talkier but also i would say it's better because you know you learn more about us rather than just hey someone died this week let's talk about that you know what they do get engagement oh for sure yeah so that's that's the measure the parts of the show that people respond to is clearly the best parts they never they never respond to the news well sometimes they do but it is often like sometimes hey colin do. you're having trouble <laughs> your sleep let me send you an article on five different ways to do it yeah hey colin you're chasing after people who didn't wish you a happy birthday get a grip exactly this is the part of the show i bet everyone just clicks off as soon as we stop being personal yeah uh, yeah they start you know they listen to us talk about gianni infantino and they think, who? I don't care. Who What's on TV? Where's this relevance? Okay. Anyway, 300. We're here. We've done it. Seesaw Parade. You're it's amazing. new, it's perhaps. A, it's a big number. Less new favorite podcast. <laughs> Coming to you semi-regularly. Somewhat, yeah. For the rest of time. Until one of us dies or the other gets bored. I'm Colin. He's James. Or, or they they ban microphones. That could happen. And yeah, he is James still. It's true. Still James. And thank you very much for listening. Really do appreciate I it. I made a joke there where I stopped moving, but it doesn't really it doesn't really come through the the medium. Fair enough. The other thing I noticed from listening back to episodes is that some of our taglines have come and gone. I failed to remember what the tagline was in episode one hundred, but it wasn't very good. And uh, the least dull podcast. We used to call ourselves that all the time. Least dull. Yeah, we are the least dull. Absolutely, because we're so okay, sharp witted. Well, we'll bring that back. Well, we don't have to, you see. We've evolved. Oh, that's true. Now we're just less popular than things. Uh, well, at the moment, we are less popular than the movie 300. That is Truth. this week's tagline. And James, Truth. only question for you this whole episode. Oh, crap. Did you watch 300? Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. Okay, we'll take it. I didn't really like give it all my attention. I've seen it so many times. Right. It was a funny one in that... Sorry, we'll get into this later on because I, I am going to review it. Because I, okay. I failed to recall ever reviewing it when it came out, oh, what, 12 years ago? Maybe longer than that? Before before we were reviewing before things. Before Seesaw Parade was a twinkle in my eye. I was still a, but a child in, in school. Yeah. So I, I was watching it and I could tell or I knew the line that was about to come. Even the, like, the more mediocre lines, not the really famous ones. And I had to think, how many times have I watched this film? It's very memorable. I must have watched a lot. Like quite a few times. I, must, I think we all did. Um, of a, People of a certain age and a certain kind of, I want to have this ambitious lifestyle of 
of bulky man yes. someday. This was the inspiration film for that kind of a mood. And now look at us. You should refer to me as Leonidas. I know. Anyway, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. You can get in touch with the show, seesawparade at gmail.com or at seesawparade on Twitter. Thanks to everybody who did get in touch. Emel did send another tip for getting to sleep, yes. which I do want to share because okay. it was a, a voice note rather than just oh, some text or, an, or a BuzzFeed article. So thank you to everybody who has done that. But uh, here... Unless you wrote the BuzzFeed article, in which case that's especially cool. Indeed, right. So here's Amel with her take on sleeping. Yeah, I just thought I would add, throw in, what a like, boring middle-aged thing to talk about, but techniques to help you fall asleep, uh, since you mentioned that. And I think, yeah, the body scan one is really good. Another one that you can try, which is quite interesting, the, the kind of, it sounds daft, but the logic of it sort of makes sense, is that, um, okay. yeah, it's some psychologists recommend mm-hmm. trying to actually out loud talk to your own brain. <laughs> Basically, and it's like a really good anxiety tool generally, Oh, okay. Um, to acknowledge when you're feeling sort of anxious or angry or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but to actually be like, okay, brain, I know we're feeling nervous because tomorrow we've got that meeting with our manager. But for right now, we don't need to worry about it. We're going to go to sleep. Uh-huh. I'm going to deal with it in the morning. And yes. yeah, some people argue that helps that sort of what I think you'd call your sort of downstairs oh. brain, the oh. unconscious part of your brain cool. to um, just be like, oh, okay, we've got that covered. I can switch off. So that, that's another one to try. And apparently, especially the more sort of like... Uh, oh, like give it a go. I suppose the more sort of irreverent or lighthearted you are about it, the better. Because obviously part of the reason that makes... That, that compounds the not falling asleep is you getting more and more annoyed and upset about oh. not being able to fall asleep. So if you're just like, oh, silly brain, you stop that. Um, that might also help. So give that a go, I guess. Okay, bye. It's got to be really jolly. <laughs> there we go. More sleep advice on this show. We have now become a sleep podcast. There's, There are sleep podcasts, just throwing that out there. But not the ones that are like, hey, I'm going to take you to a magical whist- mystery world called Whistery. Belgium. <laughs> and there you will smell the pancakes, wa- waffles, oh. and look, look at the happy children <laughs> playing. That is a... That- that's a very Sorry, strange combo. I, I, I held that <laughs> as long as I very could. Weird, but uh, yeah, that was pretty good though. That was a, that was a good sleep podcast voice, but like <laughs> right. the edge of creepy, <laughs> just like this is too much. You're trying too hard. Stop, please. I had uh, turning the podcast off now. I so I was for a few days. I stopped my Spotify Premium and just went to Spotify Peasant. Oh, so ye- oh, it's pain. I got the I got the adverts, and I was you know at the gym, <laughs> and obviously can't skip the adverts. And suddenly, in my headphones, I got this this woman being like, "Hello, do oh. you want to buy oh. our sleepy podcast?" And I genuinely, would, like, threw my headphones out. I couldn't Stop do it. it. It was she was in my head. Like it I works for it. some people. I get it. That's cool. It, it <laughs> I get such huge levels of bad energy from the like stuff that is so weirdly quiet and over over <laughs> overproduced. Just the, the the try hard levels make me anxious. But and it's also though like the funny ASMR noises, the lip None smacks of them work and on the me. I hate I hate it so I, much. I haven't had a single thing titled ASMR that has given me that response. There's other things that have. It's just like right all the all the things that, that are legitimately just giving you the good chills. That's the good stuff. But I can't I can't I can't get I can't get it from listening to somebody like 
tap their beard hairs. I mean, that, that would be a great podcast. Although I did, I did just inadvertently make a noise with my teeth there. So I hate. There we go. I hate listening to my own recordings because I hear all the excess sounds that I make as a person who has like physics. <laughs> yeah, my, I mean, my one is the kind of like the laugh, snort, slash cough, which again, when I edit. It's so loud, and I always have to mute it and think, okay, call it. It was funny, but it wasn't that funny. Settle down. Yeah, but you're, tr- you're acting. Well, no, I'm, I'm just reacting to reacting. something that you've said or something that's made myself laugh, uh-huh. which More often. really shouldn't be that funny anyway. But, oh, man. Cease Operate, somehow still here. Was, yeah, excellent. Yeah, we're a sleep podcast. Yes, listen to this sleepy energy. I really appreciate the fact you're listening to, to us rather than to that. But hey, do you want to go to sleep? Let's talk about the news. Yeah, turn off, turn up, wait, turn up, wait, why would you have both on? Yes, let's do that. Okay, James, we're going to kick off with Scotland and Indie Ref 2. I'm actually quite happy yeah. that this is in the, the news for episode 300, because, you know, 300's got Very lots relevant. of lots of relevance to... Scotland, I think it does absolutely. Uh, they're uh, they're fighting. Yeah, and a suit. I mean, like the the three hundred years. But anyway, I uh, <laughs> you know since what was it was it Bannockburn was seventeen fourteen. Oh, I can't remember. Long time ago. Uh, history. It was like more than ten years ago. But, Less than a few thousand. Right, but if we're also talking King Leonidas, he is Scottish. So great. Thank you, Jared Butler. Sorry we couldn't get you on the show. This is the news that the Scottish government has been legally told yeah. that they cannot hold an independence referendum no. without the UK government's consent. Well, they can't hold a, 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 a one that has any sway. Right. So this was the, the Supreme Court who had taken evidence about three or four weeks ago and then went away, looked at all their books and came back and said, Nah. Unanimously, by the way that Nicola Sturgeon would not have the power to do so, to call this election on 19th of October next year, yeah. because the issue is reserved to Westminster. And of yeah. course, we know the UK government has so far refused to grant consent yes. for a referendum. So the court president, Lord Reid, said that laws created in 1999 for the devolved Scottish Parliament meant it simply did not have the power over areas of the Constitution. So that's essentially what happened. There's more detail. You can look it up and read it. But it was very much unanimous. There was some concern from a lot of people that it was going to be wrapped up in legal mumbo-jumbo or perhaps the court would be split and that would cause even more headaches. But no such problem. And instead... It's good just to be told no. Everyone just said, nope, you can't do it. Nah. So, James, before we get into the ramifications of this and uh, perhaps knock-on okay. effects of this decision, right? what's your take on what the court said? It seems pretty pretty justified <laughs> like, okay it was a it was a fair understanding of the constitution i don't know i can't remember all the things they actually looked at but yeah like it just made sense and i'm like okay <laughs> now we get to talk about this for the next 40 years i guess <laughs> so to me it was understandable that they announced that this was the decision because yeah that's what had to happen the first time around they had to ask Westminster for consent to hold a referendum and Westminster eventually were like, yes, fine, you can have one. Uh, A section 32 order, a section something, anyway. And that's what they got, held the referendum and, of course, remain one. Or stay. No. One. 
55 to 45. No one, one. No one, one. No one, one. And yes. this has then been bubbling along for the last nine years since the referendum. Eight years, nine years and about a month. It's so long. <laughs> and here we are having another or discussing having another referendum. So I can see why the courts decided, well, no, if you wanted to have another referendum, you have to do the same thing again. However, let's get into the ramifications of it, because to me... It was very clearly a sign to people who are pro-independence already that, you know, Westminster and the UK are just out to get them and they are going to refuse to let Scotland have their own choice. And this is further evidence of it because we're being told we can't hold a vote about our own country's future. That's what pro-indie supporters would say, whereas people who are against it would say, well, well, no, we're in the UK. It's the UK is our country, not Scotland, or if it is the two, the UK takes priority. So shove it. Right. Essentially, it is just going to be a political tool for the parties forever, as always it is, right? Oh, for sure. So now the SNP, they've got their freedom to be like, ah, we couldn't do the the referendum. We we've, we've got to fight for it still, which they kind of they wanted that. They weren't going to get the referendum done at this point. It does. It's not looking no promising for the independence movement right now so it's they 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 want any reason to delay they got one forever and now they get to fight forever and be a relevant party probably forever because from where do you go from here whatever government has to offer scotland a referendum will end up just being the unpopular party again forever so nobody nobody wins again right in this instance because we just have a legal yeah, you can't do this without permission, but whoever is going to give you permission, that's insane. Yep. Unless like, we get into a really weird situation where the SNP is deciding who's in government between two parties and they have to form a coalition. And as a part of that, where they pledge to offer a referendum. But, you know, who's that going to be? The Tories and the, and the Labour Party? If the SNP allied themselves with the Tories to get an independence referendum... I don't think I'd support them. Okay, well, let's let's just share some more information. So on the back of the court's ruling, the First Minister, First Minister said that her party would use the next UK election as a de facto referendum on Scottish independence. So yes, basically to say, move. hey, yeah. if you're voting for us, you're voting for independence, which, in fairness, I thought they always did anyway. They used to do that. <laughs> then it became a vote for us as a vote for a referendum. Right. So so that's what she said. Yeah. And according to the most recent survey, and uh, granted this is only a thousand Scots who were asked by Find Out Now, Extrapolate. 51% would vote for the party if their vote meant yeah. it would negotiate a, a referendum with the UK government, while a third said they would not. So once again, as it has been for years, literally sitting on the 50-ish mark. And yeah. even though, and this is this has happened time and time again, whether it was Brexit, whether it's Boris, Liz Truss, and even this decision from the Supreme Court to say, nope, you have to ask Westminster for permission. There's always been this expectation that suddenly loads of people are going to say, you know what, that's not fair. Nah. I'm going to vote for the SNP and for independence. But it's consistently just sat yeah, nah. pretty stagnant around that 50-50 mark. And you're yet to get to a point where the SNP, even if they were given the power to hold a referendum, I still am unconvinced they would win. I don't think, I don't think they'd win. And, as the, and if they do hold that second referendum at some point, which I'm sure they will over Eventually, the next maybe. however many generations, they will have another one. And if they lose that, 
it's done. It's over. You can't just keep calling them until... Yeah. Well, I'm sure you would say you can keep calling them until you have a different decision. But I would say if you've had two votes over the space of a decade plus and you lost both of them, it's done. You've got to leave it for at least a generation, as Boris said the first time, or Cameron said the first time, or whoever Tory was in charge <laughs> well, the first time. Fine generation. I, I, I think... I think uh, the, I think whatever party. Well, nine years is not a generation. Put it that way. I know, but I think whatever party allows the next election will will put in concrete how long it stands for election referendum. I will put in concrete how long this result stands for. They'll be like, and you won't be legally allowed to hold another vote for fifty years or something like that because no party except the SNP, I guess, is going to want to have. Uh, a little noose of a, of a referendum hanging over all the votes for, for a particular period of time. So, right, I think I think we I think we've reached the end of loose referendums in general. No more referendums like the Brexit one, which are really loose. No more referendums like independence one, which is really loose. But I think we'll be seeing more defined ones, if ever. So, is there a risk though that Scotland decides to go down? The Catalonian an illegal route. an illegal referendum? Yeah, and basically hold their own referendum. Without any sort of I mean, legality or uh, legitimacy, Le- yeah, not le- yeah, just they- so they can hold it and say, "Look, everyone voted and they wanted to be independent." So come on, let us let us go. I mean, I mean, they should not like anytime soon. I don't think, but just as like a marker at some point in the future, push to hold a a a, a non binding non binding uh, referendum. I mean, right? What is illegal about having a show of hands, right? I don't think in any country you shouldn't be allowed to just have a show of hands if it's not binding. So I think just as a marker, we should be doing that kind of thing for more stuff. And and that marker is very often just a democratic election for parties. It's just very rarely can a party truly be a one uh, one issue uh, manifesto kind of party. Even if the SNP come out and they're like, right. a vote for us is a vote for uh, a referendum. Like, Quite a lot of their voters are just going to be voting for them because they're the party that isn't the Conservatives in Scotland. Yeah. So it's not quite reflective. Right, well, just a final question then before we move on. This uh, poll, which was actually for Channel 4, the second one, asked Scottish people what is most important to them. Just over a quarter said independence, while 61% said the economy and public services. Yeah. The other 13% said they didn't know or would rather not say. So the fact that that's almost three times as much would rather they focus on the economy and public service. Is that a sign, and this is what I would say, a sign to Nicola Sturgeon that rather than continually ramming the the independence line, because look, you ain't going to get anywhere. Westminster are clearly not going to let you do it. Then if you focus on making Scotland a better place to live, where people are paid the way they want and should be paid, you know, with teachers on strike, the Royal Mail on strike, everybody on strike, then... Maybe you'd have more support, I think, in turn, for an independent Scotland, rather than, as that poll suggests, people would say that actually the economy right now is more important than splitting up the union. Yeah, I guess it depends on your view on what would fix the economy the fastest. Right, fair <laughs> like enough. 50 years of being a Scotland under Tory rule slash going and breaking the country for 10 and coming back like the hopes for Brexit or different people have different viewpoints in these things. Right. Um, I'd, I'd argue, I'd have written that the economy would be my main worry and concern because without a strong economy, we see the suffering of the poor for the most part. And that's it. Mostly just poor people suffer and rich people don't. Um, so I care very much about that. 
and secondarily, I think I think I think all of these uh, polls and stuff like the question of like just would you prefer some reform to the government of the UK over Scottish independence? Because I absolutely would. If we could get a proper, concrete like reform of the UK government, so that more areas and more people are more fairly represented than just this first past the post people all over the country vote for two parties system, and then like sometimes the Lib Dems exist. I I would probably never want an independent Scotland again if we had a fairer UK. Right. Um, so I, I, there's a lack there's a lack of depth in some of these polls that just kind of make it look like you're either wanting independence or to help the poor people, and that's the only options, and you can't have both. It's like well. Helping the poor probably helps you gain independence right now because if we do better than England, we show that we can do it and then people want independence. And then help getting independence in a lot of people's views is the only way that we'll ever be able to help the poor because we are so shackled down by the policies of the Tories, which are so anti-anybody who isn't of wealth. Let's move on. I want to talk just for one question slash one statement about uh, some breaking news today. You may have seen this already, James. Probably not. The uh, Queen's lady-in-waiting Lady Susan Hussey has apologised and resigned after she repeatedly asked a black British charity boss where she was really from. Oh, my days. So this was uh, Ngozi Falani, who's a charity founder, who is British, born and raised in Britain, was repeatedly questioned by the 83-year-old about her background at this charity event at the Palace on Tuesday. So despite the fact she told her repeatedly, I'm British, this uh, lady-in-waiting decided that actually she wanted to find out what part of Africa she was from. So that's happened today. And it's all over the uh, the news. And Prince William's had had something to say. And uh, other people have had something to say. And to me, it's just... Well, yeah, royalty. It's just a, it's just a very uh, on the nose reflection of our society. For sure, kind of just sucks. Okay, let's move on then. Let's talk about the World Cup because that is up and running. Oh, yay! And uh, I mean, the big news, if you really are interested in the football, is Australia oh, have no. just got through to the knockouts for the first time in sixteen years. How about that? How how nice for them. Congrats. But the main story is, of course, it's been overshadowed by uh, protests by the event organisers who have banned and restricted access to stadiums for basically anybody who fails to follow their cultural norms. And we had the head of FIFA, Gianni Infantino, who went on this kind of bizarre hour-long rant... Before the day before the tournament started, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Today I feel Qatari, today I feel yeah, Arabic, it's, I feel it's African, disgusting. I feel gay, I feel disabled, I feel like a migrant worker. It's disgusting. And then he compared himself, he said, You know, I understand what it's like to be discriminated against because I was ginger and had freckles. It's just out of, it is so out of touch. And he also later added, I, oh, I feel like a woman too, because he realized he'd missed half the world's yeah, well, population. He, he obviously doesn't. Uh, <laughs> if he felt like any of those things, he would have started protesting on this spot. <laughs> yeah. We've also then had on the back of that, seven European countries, including uh, England and Wales, had announced that they were going to wear these One Love yeah. rainbow armbands. Oh, a, oh, a brave gesture. Just truly huge and definitely it, what they should have done. <laughs> indeed, right. In, in support slash <laughs> uh, against the Qatari regime, where yeah. if you are gay, then you are in danger of going to prison. And if you're a Muslim, danger of being executed. Right. However, FIFA then said that if they did, their captains would all be getting a yellow card. Oh, no. <laughs> Instead, the uh, National Federation said, uh, you know what? No, let's not do that. Cowards. And 
instead decided against wearing said armband. This was then reflected in the first opening match with Germany, which they went on to lose. They posed with their hands over their mouths in their team photo. Like cowards who realise they're being cowards. (laughs) So they tried to be a bit less cowardly. Well, I would say say as as players who wanted to do something in a situation where they had zero say or control. If the players want to do something, they shouldn't be playing. Get this out of okay, here. Uh, and just before I hand over to you, we also then had on a, um, an even f- more frightening note, the Iranian players who in their opening game declined to sing the national anthem. That one is, that is a bit, that's a bit brave. Which absolutely, and the report then from CNN said that uh, in the wake of this, the officials in the country had threatened the squad with the arrest and torture of friends and family back yeah. home. Yeah. And in the last two games, they are now out of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Last two games, they did. Sing the anthem. Yes. But uh, yeah, pretty horrendous stuff. So I I absolutely applaud and tip my hat to the Iranians because that is beyond brave that they're doing that yeah. in support of their anti-government protests happening in the home country. Uh, other supporters who held up signs saying women, life, freedom. Uh, Iranian state TV cut its coverage of the anthem and switched to a wide shot instead mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while that was all happening. So, uh, yeah, th- there's there's a little more I can say than, you know, that's that's real bravery. I mean, yeah, still... Let's talk I, about the other teams still, then. Still, I, I don't understand how, they, how they're how they there, you know, wearing the shirts and representing their nation. I, I think it's a complicated uh, place for me to understand. I, and I don't think I could understand the decision-making behind... How so? Uh, choosing to... Well... You live under a authoritarian regime. Uh, if you do a really good job at the World Cup, who gets the cre- who gets the praise is the country, not the, not really the yes. players. Some players might get a bit of praise. You know, oh, you were the, you were the captain. We remember you for like a uh-huh. year. Oh, you, you you scored the most goals. Well done. But the country gets the praise, and who's whoever's leading the country obviously benefits from that. So, why would you want to partake in? any event that could make ruling the country even a small amount easier for a, a while. And maybe they intended to protest and then they realized after they did their first protest, Pointless. oh no, it's, dangerous. it's really dangerous and we don't actually have the guts anymore and then they just played. So it's like, it, I can kind of see how you could maybe justify, I'm going to go there, show that I'm against the ruling party by protesting yeah, um, and actually help the people find freedom. But I don't think they've managed to do that. And I, I think, well, I don't think I could justify myself representing a country whose leaders I cannot stand. Before I, I talk about the European nations, yeah, the, the Iranian one, I understand more because if they, if they fail, let's say they decided, you know what, I don't want to go. Yeah. Then the ramifications potentially yeah, exactly. for you and your family are are legitimately scary and so this is what I, this is what I don't have the perspective on there's potential that they were told you either play or or, or you're right. you're dead right and and also the perspective that the vast majority if not all of the Iranian squad play outside of Iran they play in Europe they mm-hmm. you know there are True. a lot of very talented players mm-hmm. so they are perhaps unable to have the same sort of perspective as people who actually are in the country, and that's why uh, they were then allegedly threatened with friends and family True. who still live in Iran. But then there's the European nations, yeah, and that's where I do feel differently because the threat was. I first of all, I thought it was every single player in the squad so was going to be yellow carded. I was like, go for no, it. No, it was just the captain. 
yep. if they wore the armbands and they decided not to. Now, whilst the armband is a, is a small statement, it was something. And we've seen uh, other squads, other players do small gestures in an attempt to push back against whether it's FIFA or whether it's against the Qataris. But that was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was, oh, if you yellow card our captains, you know what? It's not worth it. So they were prepared to pay yeah, fines. I think the threat was like, we'll yellow card them to, to start with. And the threat was it was going to get worse. I think there was this, this indication that this is just like step one of the punishment. If you wear yellow, not yellow, rainbow armbands, oh boy, don't, 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 don't do that. And then everyone's like, okay, we ever not, we'll not do that. So where is FIFA and all this? I mean, obviously they're the ones who are saying, naughty, naughty, you can't wear the, the, the armband. <laughs> what, why? You know, what, what is that reason? Because they got paid a lot of money. <laughs> There's no complicated layer to this for the FIFA organizers. They got paid a lot of money. But it's, it's literally an armband with a love heart on it and rainbow colors on yeah, it. Yeah, and the Qataris are saying no rainbow. And FIFA's like, oh, you paid us lots of money. Okay. That's it. That's literally it. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> There's not like a, a, they don't have a, like some plan to like make these countries better by integrating cultures because. This is a part of that culture. This is this is the integration. You don't you don't integrate by going over to a country and being like, "We adopt all your rules. Thank you. That's it. Thank you." Uh-huh. And now we've integrated, and now we're all friends. Thank you. You've got you haven't changed at all. We've changed to adopt all of your rules. Uh, people have that view though for the things like migrants and stuff that they should come to Britain and adopt all our rules, and then yeah, only yeah. then are they really British. So there has to be this communication when you're talking about trying to like uh, form culture together, and it can't just be, "Oh, you paid us money." We ban all the things you don't like. But you're right in saying that money is is the primarily motivating factor. We talked about Gary Neville a couple of weeks ago, high profile uh-huh. English commentator, who, despite the fact he's been very outspoken about the Qatari regime, thousands of migrant deaths, treatment of persecuted minorities, and yet he still went over there and is being paid a lot of money to do commentary. And his justification was... Ah, but I will speak out against the regime whilst I'm there. Exactly. And that's what he said to essentially get himself out of it, which in reality was, no, you've been offered a huge amount of money to go over there and uh, do your job. And rather than say no, he said, "Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, I quite like money. There's a bunch of people making money <laughs> in a place and for an event that they should be boycotting and some of them are making small gestures of protest while while making bank from a bunch of uh, crime basically um, and other ones are just completely not even protesting and the ones who aren't protesting should be 100% ashamed the ones who are like managing to be a tiny little bit of a protest doesn't really it doesn't really convince me very much at all like this even if the english team and all the other teams went out and they all wore their armbands and they got a yellow card or even if everyone in that team got a yellow card i am not impressed the fact that they are taking part is just giving positive coverage to a country and we're ignoring all of the basically crime that happened to put this event together all of these teams should have refused to partake they shouldn't have done, gone there. They should have even hosted their own tournaments, even if it got them removed from FIFA. Because if you don't start your protests right away when things are bad, yep. then next time when things are bad and you want to protest, everyone's like, well, how come you didn't protest the first time? Why are you protesting this time? You all just better get in line again. And you're weaker automatically. You have to start your protest from the start. So it should have been happening 
what, 12 years ago when it was first bought or whatever? Wait, yeah, yeah. eight years ago? I don't know. But over a decade, it went to Russia and then when it went to Qatar. Yeah, all these countries should have been building up a whole bunch of protests and plans to get this event completely removed from the books. But money. Um, but money, money, money for all of them. All of them are making money from it and that's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Um, all of the organizations, all the FAs and all of that are just making money so they're happy. To me, and I, I can understand why there will be, I'm sure there will be people, individual people, in these various football federations. I know the Danish ones are the ones who are making a lot of noise about this, considering leaving FIFA mm-hmm. because of all their, their actions. But That would be a great, a great move. You consider the knock-on effect. It means that they would never be allowed to play in the World Cup, never be allowed to play in the European Championships, and they would only be able to play what teams who were also outside of FIFA, which at the moment is what? probably like Palestine and a few other... Yeah. Of other nations. That's the point and, of sorry, protest. just and just on that point, then it also means that the players, some of whom in the the Danish squad are among the best players in the world, don't get to play in these tournaments that define their careers. You know, everyone wants yep. to play in a World Cup or a, yep. win the Euros as Denmark did, you know, thirty years ago. Yep. And if they leave FIFA, they are robbed of that opportunity. So the players, right. no matter how strongly they feel, will still want to have that chance to be able to say, yes, I played in the World Cup. They might, yeah, they might went, want to. We got papped out in the first round by Australia. Yeah, and that's the point. It's what are you willing to sacrifice and the, right, and people generally, to say no to corruption and to evil deeds, you know, to, to rampant killing of migrants. Yes, but these players, speaking very generally with a broad brush, don't care about that because it's a World Cup. They want to play in the World Cup <laughs> yeah, in yeah, the yeah. same way that I, despite being her like horrendously against the fact that this World Cup was being held in Qatar f- to start with, but let alone the treatment of migrant workers and the treatment of gay people, have still watched the highlights of certain games because I wanted to see it. And that's where I, f- I find it really challenging because I do love football. And it is the World Cup that's only here every four years. And yet, I still want to watch the, the, the ball go in the net. Yeah, so there's a level of like, what's the acceptable amount that I am willing to give this part of something bad? Right. My time, which, you know, is valid. If you want to give something some of your time and it does it gets zero benefit from it, it's debatable. Like, I've not really watched any. I've only scrolled past highlights on the several websites that I use every day. Um, I'm sure there's other people who are watching it live and therefore are contributing that one viewer count to the official numbers. And every one viewer that adds those official numbers makes the event look better and makes the the whole thing look like it was worth it uh, to both FIFA and the Qatari government or whatever. Um, So there is this level of how much are you willing to sacrifice of your integrity to just casually watch an event that is that is rooted in people that are doing bad things for their own benefit. But when you're a player and you're making the event happen, you're a key part of the event where your country, a, re- or a country's team, and you're representing your country and you're a key part of the event, you actually have the power to ruin it, not just remove one viewer, you know? You actually have the power to make a big thing, a huge headline, and you don't. That's a, that's, a, that's a very different level from just like I'm watching the highlights on the internet sometimes. Okay, let's uh, wrap up the section. Let's talk about other disappointing people. COP27 finished in Egypt. And the main headline was that even though there were some progressions made regarding uh, richer countries helping out poorer countries for the climate impacts that they're facing, it still means that 
the progress on cutting fossil fuels is at a standstill. So it was the UK's Alok Sharma, who was the president of the previous COP, in a quote he said, A clear commitment to phasing out all fossil fuels? Not this time. Not in this text. Yay. And so oh, yay. even though the event, which came close to collapse and overran by two days, yeah. uh, finished with this uh, new statement, the loss and damage fund that was agreed in the early hours of the final day, uh, it was met with, as this article says, oh. lukewarm applause. Mm-hmm. Because whilst that's great and it's very symbolic yep. that developed nations are finally giving money to the poorer countries who are affected by things like flooding and drought, they are still unable to actually do the things which will stop the planet getting hotter. Yeah. That was my take of this. Well, basically, and I think this is going to be the re- the, the repeating headline from every single one of these summits forever is... So long as there is money to be made from from fossil fuels, they will be getting used, you know? Uh, the big driving yeah. th- differences are making the, the, those actions less harmful. There's a lot of uh, promise in, like, uh, doing a lot of, I think, a lot of carbon ca- capture directly at source, at, like, things like coal power plants and things like that. Um, uh-huh. All of those moves that kind of make the impact of the fossil fuels lower, vital. They need all the money. But <laughs> yep. nobody wants to vote for things. Nobody wants to agree to do things that will cost everybody a lot of money. So we're just kind of like doing nothing. Right. So just to uh, we the... have to we have to run on the assumption that all of these, all these, all the coal, all the oil, everything, all the gas, it's all going to get burned. Yes. We need to mitigate. We need to do absolutely everything we can to make that happen over a longer period of time. Yeah. You know, so that includes getting things like nuclear reactors funded instead of like getting rid of them. Blah blah blah. blah. All of these okay, things so just... that we can't get countries to agree on. Just at this point, let me add the the wording here. So this deal, which did not include any commitments to phase down or reduce the use of fossil fuels. Oh man, it's almost almost laughable. Very very impressive. And instead, it included ambiguous language about low emission energy, which experts at the COP27 say opens the door to allowing some fossil fuels to be considered part of this green energy future. <laughs> and what uh, the New Zealand climate minister said to the BBC was that there were strong attempts by petrol states, yes, uh, so countries whose uh, huge amount of their GDP comes from fossil fuels, were basically attempting to roll back previous agreements. Yeah, of course they were. Um, and instead, what they got was an omission of certain wording. Wow. Uh, from those countries who are heavily reliant on oil and gas. So this is, yeah, I I imagine very frustrating for the people who were there and is just going to be the the, the sign of things to come because as we've already seen from the near 2,000 people who died in Pakistan in the recent floods, this is 2022. Imagine what it's going to be like in 20 years. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And people, and again, money. It's just money. Is talking. Yeah. And people are just like, you know what? There's still all this great stuff in the ground. Let's get it. We get it. Because then we'll be rich. We burn and we it. don't have to care about what happens to the planet because yep. we'll be dead. Or they dream that they're going to be the uh, ones that get to move to Mars or whatever. I don't care what they think. Uh, we we should take all their money. <laughs> we should just take it. <laughs> but of course we can't do that. G- genuinely. And I'm, I'm reading this uh, again for the first time. There was uh, almost a doubling of fossil fuel representatives yep. at COP27. They shouldn't be allowed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they there? 
Like genuinely, why do they get an invite? The same companies that knew that they uh, were contributing to global warming like 50 years ago 50 now, years have ago. Been, have been like making us all make the bad decisions for that long and deliberately manipulating us all to make the bad decisions for that long are the ones now saying like, oh yeah, no, you should invite us to the talks. <laughs> Trust us. Uh, ge- genuinely, I don't understand how they got, how did they get in? Money. Who, who accredited Money. them? Money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. To see that, um, whether it's the World Cup, whether it's COP, <laughs> like happy 300th episode, everybody. The people... I know, right? I'm sorry. ...are just <laughs> sleepwalking the planet into... Well, they're not even sleepwalking. They're eager. They're eager walking. Okay. They're, they're speedwalking. <laughs> but I would love to have a chat with someone there from BP or Shell who has paid an astronomical amount of money who went to that event in order to argue... For the continuation of whether it was yeah. digging for oil and gas or yeah. refining yeah. petrol to use or whatever it was. I would love to have a chat with them and say, why? Why are you arguing for these things? No, they won't be honest. And just to see what they say. <laughs> if they are fully aware that fossil fuel production and, and the use of it is speeding up the, the heating of the planet to an inordinate amount to the point where we're at basically at the point of the, 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 on oh, the brink. The point the of no return. return. We are past it. Right, but scientists are, are like, like clinging on to the faintest outline of hope. But I agree, yeah, it's yeah. gone. Yeah. What is their argument? What is the argument for, let's keep doing this? Because was, I cannot see it. If they were being honest, it's because they believe somebody else is going to do it, and they want to be the one that does it, because then they get the benefit if it's going to happen anyway. That's right. their honest argument. And that, that you know, the real the real motivator, money, uh, is the part of that argument. But there's there's no there's no good way to argue we need to use these fuels for the benefit of the planet in the future there's no argument there um so they're they're only interested in making sure that they're the ones that benefit if it's going to happen anyway i don't know i can't think of a single positive spin on hey we need to burn the fuel you know make money so that we can make the future green with that money they're they're not going to use the money to do good things no the only answers here is is making it uh, more cheaper for them to all invest in green technology than it is for them to be investing in the continued expansion of burning things. Uh, and just before we move on, in news to make you sad, oh good, uh, a man is reported. I was to lacking have been, in that. <laughs> you need more. A man's reported to have been killed by security forces in Iran as protesters publicly celebrated the team's elimination uh, from the World Cup. Yeah. So Mehran Samak was killing. shot yeah. in the head after he honked his car's horn oh, on Tuesday night. Man, Videos from dangerous. cities around the country showed crowds cheering and dancing in the streets yeah. because these activists refused to support their team, uh, seeing it as, as you said earlier, a representation of the regime. Yeah. I, I, I honestly... That's grim. I... I, I the only hope I have is that the nation being there and being represented made people so angry that they are gonna con- they're gonna use it as energy for the protest. Because I really hope that this that the team choosing to play isn't gonna help the author- the authoritarian regime at all. And people have been dying in these protests for a long time now. It is no shock that somebody got shot for honking a horn at this point. That's just horrible.
Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk about uh, the continued decline of Twitter in just a second, but we're going to start oh, with the January 6th riots oh, and the news that for the first time in about 20 years, yeah. we had people jailed for seditious conspiracy. So... This is the leader of the far-right militia, the Oath Keepers, mm-hmm. who was found guilty uh, today, today being Wednesday, of plotting to stop Joe Biden from taking office. This was uh, Stuart Rhodes, who, after a two-month trial, was found guilty of seditious conspiracy, along with a couple of his uh, co-accused. Yeah. And uh, this was after the Capitol riots in January of last year. Yeah. The accused all went inside the building, and essentially this guy... Looks like he was the the general. He was organizing where people were going. People he organizing. Turned thing, up yeah. with a lot of ammunition, and uh, yeah, the five members who were on on trial there were found guilty of yes. various things. Uh, the prosecution somewhat pleased with the verdict, saying it wasn't quite as clear cut as they wanted. But I mean, yeah, it's it was a mixed bag. Some people did get found guilty and are going to prison for a long time. Yeah, for what and they I'm did. pretty sure. The seditious conspiracy, the the bar is pretty high as far as getting people actually found guilty on that one. Um, for good reason, of course. Um, so therefore, the fact that somebody has been found guilty or people have been found guilty is, well, I see it's a once in a 20 years kind of situation. You'd hope that this, this doesn't happen in a, in a country where uh, this kind of sedition is completely unjustified and was just brought together by people who were attempting to do a soft coup. Well, not even that soft. I'm hoping that this is a little marker that shows us that more trials will come out that bring down the ringleaders, who, for the most part, unfortunately, seem to be complete idiots. Just not quite stupid enough to not be able to organize stuff. Yeah. Um, And it's a shame, in a sense, that these people, for however many decades of their life, have been radicalized to, to do these things and are now getting punished for them. But... They need to be. <laughs> we need to be seeing the figureheads actually get the sentencing and uh, the justice that is uh, deserved in these instances, and hopefully won't be, we won't see it again. Uh, just on a similar note of of uh, those sorts of figureheads, did you see this week that Donald Trump had dinner with Kanye West and a Holocaust denier? Oh my days! Yeah, I can't remember his name. Proud Boys. I've got an N. I feel like we should get his name. Oh, we'll look it up. But whilst you do that, there was one silver lining this week. The US Senate passed a bipartisan bill protecting same-sex and interracial marriage. Uh, legislation will now go back to the House of Representatives, where it's expected to approve and then send it to President Biden to sign. This was on the back of, if you recall, dear listener, after uh, abortion was essentially thrown out by uh, the Supreme Court. Yeah. There was talk by, I want to say it was Cl- Clarence Thomas, or uh, one of them. Yes. One of, yes. One of the judges Justice who said, Thomas. let's Thomas. look at same-sex marriage next, and how about interracial marriage too? Well, I don't think he said interracial marriage. Uh, he, no, he mentioned, the co- but it, he mentioned the court cases which made those he, law. He mentioned, yeah, basically the court cases that he was referencing are also the ones that could be used to, that were being used to justify interracial marriage. Yeah. He suspiciously didn't say it. So that has then gone very quickly through the uh, the houses uh, in Congress and that looks like it will become law. That means, yeah. however, that it does, it, sorry, it doesn't mean that all states must legalize it, but it just requires nationally that it's protected. Yeah. 
I think. Uh, yeah, there's a certain level to it still where the states can kind of just do their thing. Cause... Right, but the Supreme Court can chuck it out like they had with Roe which is, Wade. Which is the, the only goal they had was to get fewer things chuckable because it looks like the Supreme Court is just wanting to be doing the chucking because they're led by, yeah. well, um, let's say religious uh, crazy peoples. <laughs> okay, well, did you find the name of the, the Holocaust scenario? Oh, Nick Fuentes. Nick, Nick Fuentes. Fuentes, yes. And I can't remember, I never, so he's like a mostly internet-y, uh, right-wing conspiracy, not genuinely just a white nationalist, pretty, very much openly so, and somehow still getting platformed, even though he is yeah, yeah. openly all of these things. Um, I don't know how he's been allowed to get, get so much influence and stuff like that, but it has happened, and he had had a, he did have a pretty disastrous dinner with uh, does sound like Trump it. and Kanye to the extent that the Israeli Prime Minister, the incoming Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu, had to come out and say it was a mistake well, was. for Donald Trump to meet the two of them. It was. It's crazy that he thought he could do it. Even people like Ben Shapiro are saying it was a mistake. Indeed, <laughs> you know he's a bit invested. To be fair. Um, but and and the response is, is is has not been harsh enough. It's the same again. It's just like most of the headlines are like, "Oh, the dinner was a disaster." I'm like, "Why are we? Why is that the headline? Why did they do it in the first it place? Be Trump is having dinner with completely vile uh, people. <laughs> why is he allowed? Why is this happening? Indeed, like, the people okay. people of these Let's... open views shouldn't be getting any sort of spotlight. They shouldn't be getting invited places to be to be. Uh, given the the stage in front of people who they can influence. And that's what's happening. They're just going to keep getting influenced. Okay, talking of terrible people, there was another mass shooting in the States last weekend. It was in a LGBT nightclub in Colorado where the shooter killed five people, 17 others injured before the shooter was assaulted and um, subdued by uh, one of the performers in the club yeah. and also... Someone's dad, yeah. this article says. Yeah, it was. It was someone's dad. Um, the Their kid's partner got killed, I believe. Ugh. Yeah, so this was the suspect who has now been named. He was 22. And the main headlines that I've seen, and this is going to go on through the courts, I'm sure, and yeah. everything will become clear. But one of the headlines was that he was now, or they were now saying they were non-binary. Mm-hmm. And that caused a lot of consternation with a lot of different people, including some people who said, he's not, he's clearly a man. And then that was jumped on by people on the opposing side saying, you can't assume that. Yeah. You need to ask him. There's been a lot so of... Uh, that's going to come out in court, yeah. for sure. There's been a lot of what I've encountered, as far as the story goes, a lot of right-wing rhetoric around this mocking of people rejecting this idea that the... the, the, the uh, perpetrator sorry i couldn't remember any good word there was is non-binary yeah i think there had i think there when you when somebody no matter no matter what the context is when somebody tells you their labels it, there is a responsibility to to uh recognize that from that moment onwards and respect it from that moment onwards but also to if they are maybe uh, somebody who's just killed a bunch of people and wounded even more and been completely violent to um uh, a specific protected group in society who they're then claiming to be a part of. You also do, if you're wanting to have a good legal procedure, kind of look into the validity of that claim. Is there any evidence from their past? So yeah, yeah. I'm sure we will see the stories come out of that evidence or the lack thereof if it is just some lawyering trying to make it so it's not a hate crime because it's his own group. 
no, because it's their own group. Goodness me. Um, I would suspect, based off what I've seen coming out from people who knew the individual before they committed this offence, that there is no evidence in their history of them asking for specific pronouns, them doing anything except living as a man, as they they are claiming to not be now. So it seems like lawyering from here Mm -hmm. um, so far. So until I see otherwise... Um, I'm going to go off of that for what we've seen from the media from people who claim to know the person. Okay. Um, but th- that, like, none of this changes the dynamics of the attack, right? It's th- 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 also another mass shooting. It's a, it's an, a yet another mass shooting uh, perpetrated by someone born male at the very least, um, and a very undersupported group in the states. Like, there is a lot of justification behind people feeling like males in the United States have nowhere to turn to and no solutions to things. And the evidence is in the fact that so many of them become violent. But it still doesn't make this any less of something that is clearly influenced by the rhetoric of the nation. There is yeah, anti-LGBT yeah. Uh, headlines, media, politicians. Yep. Things getting shouted from the rooftops about how they're all groomers and, and uh, they should all be... Uh, even put to death. So when somebody does it, mm-hmm. you gotta what you gotta try and tie those things together. How much were they influenced by all of those people? Were they? Were they not? Um, so I, I think that a lot of the headlines just being like, are they non-binary or not? It's a bit problematic because there's far more important aspects to the story as far as judging the state of a nation. Yeah, how much of the state of the nation caused this versus how much of it was just this individual? Yeah, so so the most deadly at the time mass shooting in U.S. history was 2016 at the Pulse nightclub in Florida. Yeah, which I'm I believe, and I would have to look this up, was another gay club. So this one is it's not like it's it's brand new. This has history. Yeah, but I agree. You can be someone who believes in marriage only for man and woman, but there's a way to go about it. And certainly in the States, it's very much anti-LGBT uh, community, whether it's marriage, whether it's people, whether it's drag relationships. queens. Relationships. <laughs> relationships. And some of the language is, frankly, disgusting. Yeah. And so it's little wonder that something like this happens when someone says, you know what, you're right, I agree, they are groomers and they are disgusting people, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. And that's where we end up. So I mean, I completely agree. The, 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 it's the language to me, which is so, it's just really sad Yeah, reading what people write and saying, yep, yeah, someone genuinely holds those views. A donut shop the other, got, got firebombed recently because they planned a, uh, a drag queen event or something like that. It, 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 yeah, I saw that. It's mad how, how manipulated a lot of these people are. Um, and it is the responsibility of the media who is saying it and of the politicians who are saying it. And they should be held accountable by being examined, asked the right questions. Um, and they're not. They just aren't. They, they just get this, the, all these platforms, all these places to talk, and they just do it. And yeah. then we get all this violence. We like free speech, but only if it's free speech that we agree with. So talking of which, let's talk about Twitter. And this is the news that three things I want to talk about. Elon Musk, who today... Uh, it's been announced that the site has stopped enforcing its policy on misleading information about COVID. So, Great. Uh, according to the company website, it has now stopped taking action against tweets which breach its COVID rules. Previously, the website had suspended more than 11,000 accounts for misinformation. Uh, 
That was off uh, September this year. Okay. But the second and third things which were more interesting in the last week of Elon Musk's existence oh was, number one, he put on his Twitter a poll yeah. and said, should I reinstate Donald Trump? And despite the fact that he admitted that it had been hijacked mm-hmm. by bots and troll farms, the vote, which was 51 to 49 yeah. in favour of reinstatement, he went with it and said, okay, people have spoken. He said something in Latin and invited Donald Trump back onto the site. His profile is now active again. Donald Trump is yet to return. I believe that's because he's yeah. tied up legally with Truth Social, which is his platform. And then before I ask your thoughts on that, he went after, sorry, Elon Musk, I should say, went after Apple, saying that the giant had halted its advertising. He accused the company of threatening to, re- threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store. Yeah. And uh, Apple, of course, kinda... failed to really mm. respond at all. Yeah. And uh, Elon Musk then went on to accuse Apple of censorship and criticised its uh, the charge that it levies on purchases made in the App Store, which people have complained about before. I mean, yeah, no, the, the App Store, there's 70, there's, they take 30% of all, all revenue above a certain limit, but it's only above a certain amount. They t- I think it's, they take 30% above. It's either 100,000 per year or a million per year in revenue. That's when the, that's when the 30% hits, I think. Okay, what's your, okay. What's your take on all of uh, all this from... Twitter boy. Okay, well, let's go with easy one first. Uh, Elon claimed that there was a secret tax that Apple did, which they taught, they revealed like before Steve Jobs died. <laughs> like, oh. Steve Jobs told us about the 30% cut on stage with a big graphic when they first introduced it. <laughs> it's not really a secret. Uh, so it just kind of shows Elon's uh, victim complex uh, and his idiocy on display. As, as usual. Uh, another highlight for me in recent Elon weeks was that he claims that he hates people who take, uh, who try to make like gains from uh, the, the tragedy surrounding children. I'm paraphrasing a wee bit. Okay. He was like, as somebody whose firstborn child died in their arms, I, I hate when people make like, try to get political gain from the suffering of children, uh, which turns out it wasn't true he the, the kid didn't die in his arms so he kind of tried to make gains from the suffering of a child um okay so again elon hypocrisy he, elon idiocy um he claims to be a free speech absolutist um but also claims that obviously you can't have harmful things on a platform and that donald trump was harmful he did say that he, that he probably wouldn't be reinstating donald trump's account because it was clearly a harmful one but then he yep. also as an absolutist um <laughs> hosted a poll, which is very absolutist, um, to, to reinstate it. So it's just for publicity. The only thing he gained from that was more publicity for, for Twitter because um, he yeah. believe, he does definitely believe in this idea that all publicity is good publicity. Um, so he's just got zero consistency across the board for any of the things that he's saying, in my opinion. And I suffer from inconsistency. We all do. We all say one thing and then do another sometimes. It seems like Elon can't stop doing it. I, I, I hope that somebody manages to remove him from a position of influence in, in Twitter to a degree that we've seen him be removed from actual influence over Tesla and SpaceX where people kind of just like pat him on the head and say, oh yeah, you're, you're a mad genius, you're brilliant, we're definitely doing your ideas. And then they don't do the ideas. Because um, Twitter is important. I think it is an important part of uh, the current setup of the world and if improved it could be great but elon's going the other way and he's making it terrible and then complaining and acting like a victim when everyone leaves 
how can he be free market capitalist and then complain that Apple don't want to give him their money? <laughs> it, it is the irony, yeah, that he, he complains that actually these advertisers have decided they don't want to spend money on their site. That's not fair. They have to. Not fair for me. The free really market's don't. got to benefit me. <laughs> yeah. No. And, it, and it is because the site has become this slightly chaotic, vibey website to go yeah. to now because you don't really know what's happening. Well, of course, they're going to they're gonna uh, roll out the blue tick again yeah. very shortly. The revamped blue tick. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, there's going to be a blue tick, uh, like another tick for politicians and another tick for corporations. Uh, so we know the difference between people who are <laughs> people and people who aren't. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of changes planned with very limited staff because he is still Indeed. firing more and more people. I saw a story of somebody who got fired and then got offered his job back because they realized it was really important. And then once he came back and like fixed all the things he needed to, they fired him again with even less wow. paid, like leave and stuff like that. And basically, a tech company like Twitter, of course, also hires a bunch of people whose uh, status as a resident in the, in the United States depend on them having a job at Twitter so they can't leave no matter how much you bully and abuse them and um, which tw- which they are of course taken advantage of there's just endless scandal in this takeover and i feel bad for the people who still are forced to work there there are some people at twitter who cannot leave if they were to leave they'd be uh, they'd have to they'd get their, their status in america removed and they'd get deported you know and they're getting taken advantage of now by a, a cringy divorced man and like you can be divorced and cool, but you can be divorced and cringe, and that's what Elon is. Um, did you see his tweet of like his bed, his his, his nightstand? He tweeted out a picture of his nightstand. <laughs> oh, I did. He has He's a gun got, on like, it. A gun, and then like a toy gun, and then four cans of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Could you look sadder? <laughs> You're desperately trying to get approval from the internet by posting a picture right. of your nightstand, and the nightstand is sad. <laughs> But but some people would have seen that, and I see this with a lot of people who are, you know, Elon or Die, who'll see this and be like, oh, he's just the best. Look at that nightstand. Nightstand of kings. Nightstand king. Yeah. Man, four cokes? I could only do two. <laughs> I can only do half. I only smell it briefly as it goes past my nose. But like once again, the ultimate <laughs> point, goal. and the, the big lesson here, is that CEOs do not actually matter. Right. He's come in and he's trashed a company, right? He's not smart. How much do you how much do you want to gamble that any of the other big money people are actually smart or if they were just mostly lucky? Well, I think we've seen, I don't know how much you follow cryptocurrency, but there was the uh, the exchange, the crypto exchange, I can't remember FTX what it's called. Died? Yes, which the guy who ran it, yeah. Sam Friedman, is clearly just everyone. a lucky idiot who made some horrendous decisions yeah. and who's like chief of finance graduated from uni like 18 months earlier and was now running this yeah. billion dollar crypto exchange yeah. yeah mental in the olden days very concerning you became you became rich by inheriting money and like the family business and then just letting the business run itself cuz the people who ran the business were actually important you know that's how you became rich in the modern world, you become rich by basically doing the same thing. <laughs> you just let other people do all the work for you, and then you exploit them by not paying them fairly, and you make loads of money off of the backs of all the workers. The workers are vital. The people at the top who own the stuff are not. There's this okay. fake idea that they've risked their entire livelihood to own a company. Get out of here. If they go bust, right. nothing bad happens to them. <laughs> 
Time is ticking away, but I want to talk about Brexit. We've had two comedy moments that you may have missed this week, dear listener, involving Michael Gove and Jeremy Hunt. Oh, haha. Ha, First really one. fun comedy that is lighthearted. Haha. Yes, indeed. First one being Michael Gove, who in an interview failed to name a single change that has, quote, made business easier in Britain. Because if you remember, Michael Gove was indeed the leading campaigner for leaving uh, the EU. He was asked six times to set out how this promised transformation of the economy had been achieved and couldn't. Yeah. Kel surprise. Yeah, I feel like after six years, you'd at least have one. I feel like... Have something. I feel like I could have done something to help business by now. Okay, and here's the other one, which is even more entertaining. This is the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, who this week decided and uh, said in public that his own advisors were wrong mm-hmm. and denied mm-hmm. that Brexit has made Britain poorer. This is no, no, no. ahead of the f- predicted 4% slump in GDP, which the OBR, who are the government agency who look at all the stats and figure out what, it, what, it, what they're doing, Jeremy Hunt said he did not accept their forecasts and said... I accept all the ones yes. that I agree with. Yes, that's how it works. When the numbers look good for you, when they make you smile, that means they're good. And then when the numbers make you frown, that means they must be wrong. That is how it works. This is who leads, this is who leads the country. <laughs> and I, I know what? He'd probably be a better CEO at Twitter than, than Elon. <laughs> I'm sure he would. Certainly would have a gun on his uh, bedside table. But no, like, it's the Tories. I, I, I don't understand... I even I didn't think they were this stupid twelve years ago, but it was basically the same people. Oh, for sure, yeah. How, like, have they have they got more stupid? No, so they've just they've got more of the spotlight. Not really. So how are they so obviously more stupid these days? And I guess it's all because of Brexit. They can't dodge the big questions anymore. But like, it's crazy to me. We got somebody in charge of all the money in the country who's like, yeah, I, I like the numbers that make me look good, and those are the ones I listen to. <laughs> That's my official statement to the news. Thanks. Yeah, basically, any number that is uh, I disagree with, then it's clearly wrong. Like, uh, we're kind of like exaggerating here. There's a little bit of of a uh, freedom with the, with the word choice, but there's not a charitable way to interpret this. He was just saying, <laughs> "I only listen to the numbers that I agree with." Yes, that is what he said. <laughs> Okay, James, let's wrap up. Let's Fun talk, comedy news. Let's talk about, uh, yes, more lighthearted matters. Dear listener, if you want to get in touch with the show, tell us what you've watched, be that a film, a TV show, a play, a comedy, stand-up gig, any of these things, then please do let us know. You can send us a voice note or you can send it via text and we'll read it out. And oh. James, I have Colin at it. least two things to talk about. What do you have? I got one. I got it. I finished a TV show. Okay, okay. Let's uh, talk about 300, first of all, because we did say on the previous episode to tie in with episode 300, we would watch 300. I did. Yeah, I kind of put it on and then did things while it was on. Okay. Did Let things. me give you my overall thought. Interpret as you will. The, the film has, in some ways, aged poorly. Uh-huh, true, true. Some of the, the graphics, now I appreciate it's meant to be done like stylistically, comic booky yeah, yeah, yeah. style. Yeah. But it, it just doesn't look, some of the shots just don't look particularly good. Yes. In in that, it, it, to me, it's very much, you know, baby's first Windows movie maker. A wee bit. But they were, style doing, graphics. They were doing sometimes completely brand new things with, with the way right. they were filming and the way they were producing. So so, so here's, here's the flip side of that, is that a lot of the shots still hold up and look mm-hmm. really good. 
And you can in, see why they became like so widely known. Oh, for sure. This this is very much a uh, a widely known cult movie because it was spoofed so many times by so many different people in different contexts. Yeah. And it's partly because it did a lot of stuff which was new, whether it was the like iconic, evolved yeah. slow-mo fight, fighting style rather than the constant the cuts. The three-camera thing with like the, 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 the zooms-ins and the zooms-outs so that you can't really tell which camera is yeah. being used. Oh, boy. There was a lot, of, and a lot of really interesting... Uh, whether it was the choreography, whether it was the setup of shots, yeah. stuff which I yeah. looked at and thought, you know what, that's that was clever. I enjoyed that. Or even transitions between scenes, which once again is a throwback to the sort of comic book style they were going to, where one scene ends yeah. and suddenly they've used the background of that first scene to move on to something else. So that's all well and good. I really did appreciate the fact that some of the shots, yeah, not great. Other shots still look phenomenal. Second part... You absolutely can tell why the film is iconic. Yeah, second part I would, I would add to this is the film does really zip along. It, you know, far from being yeah. a bloated epic, within about 10 minutes, they're off. <laughs> they're already off to meet uh, Xerxes and his, and his crew. Oh, I'm a child. I'm, now, I'm not a child now. Oh, here's a guy with a bad message. Killed him for funsies. Yep. Away we go. Let's kick him into a big hole. And off we but go. But iconically, kick him. Yes. Iconically. I did actually watch a, a clip <laughs> in midweek of Jared Butler saying he did the This is Sparta line about 10 times. And yeah. the last one he just yelled. And the director, Zach. Uh, Zach. Snyder? Snyder <laughs> said he just reacted as if it was the best thing he'd ever heard. Yeah, because it was. It was. And it is. It remains a great. It's cringe. Iconic movie line. The whole film is just bad and cringy, but also <laughs> flawless. It's just right. so iconic. And that's my final part, is that the acting, aside from Lena Headey, who's really going for it. She in does, a, in always a, go in for it. And a frankly thankless task as the wife of Leonidas. Yes. And there's a couple other ones who, you know, a young Michael Fassbender. He's there. Who is one of the... 300 soldiers, which is insane considering Faramir's how popular there. he is. Faram- yep, Faramir is one of the... He's the narrator. Yeah. There's a few of them who do pretty well. And the rest of them who... <laughs> particularly the children <laughs> and uh, some of the, the baddies. That's understandable. Terrible. But the, the children... The it. The children one, though, they all speak with American accents. It's really annoying. They do. They do. Yeah. It's like, they came from the blackness. It's like, no, they, they came from Seattle by the sounds of things. <laughs> And the final, sorry, final, final part, it is a little bit, as we talked about with previous uh, movies, Lord of the Rings being kind of uh, slightly anti-Orientalistic, this is very much... Yeah, a little bit racist. A, a kind of a slightly yeah. racist tone against the uh, the Persians, the, the Iranians. But it's stylistically right. racist, you so, know? So, despite <laughs> no. the fact it's very much the whites against uh, all the Arabs... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay... Even though they would have all looked the same in that part of the world, let's they just pretend. They would not have looked so American and white, yeah. Co- correct. So there is a there is that, which is a bit more obvious. But look, it is it is a film which I chucked it on and I still really enjoyed watching it. So yeah, it's fun to Despite watch it. its flaws, I did have a good time. Any further, any further thoughts? Because yes. I stole all that. I got a, I got a deep thought for you. Let's hear it. Um, over the years of this film's existence, people have speculated as to like how true to the events it's it's it is in that universe of the film. So like you've got your narrator. I don't think it's particularly accurate. Ah, in the universe of the film. Okay. 
in real life, no, not real, no, it, nothing like this happened in real life. It was it's very much very different. But in the universe of the film, was this an accurate telling of the of the events, or was this the narrator doing propaganda oh. and making everything much grander and more horrific to get the people keen? Because that's what's happening. The film is propaganda as far as like building up the army that you see at the end of the film. You know they're here to for fight take two and they've heard the propaganda and they're there for it so you've got all these monsters and demonic fighters and like war animals that are terrifying and a big scary godlike deity on the other side that, that is true can't beat them so it feels like propaganda and everyone's like yeah so that means that it's all made up in that universe and that he's exaggerating in that universe i disagree um <laughs> okay it's really fun because you can watch the whole film of that perspective saying like all of this is made up it's all propaganda it's just a really cool comic book being written by somebody in the film as the narrator but you get to the end scene and suddenly the things that we are seeing on the screen are not lining up with what you're hearing in the propaganda okay he's saying things like oh leonidas had sand in his eyes and his cloak was kind of heavy so he missed the shot but on the screen we're seeing leonidas he was ready he had a clean clean vision a good a good aim and he just missed okay and that's different it's sadder it's not good propaganda so i claim the correct interpretation of the film is that everything you see is actually what happened in that universe and the only propaganda is that leonidas kind of missed for justified reasons rather than just being a bad shot okay well it's a good interesting (laughs) debate i never thought of it like that maybe it's a mix of the two anyway yeah james what have you watched or finished because uh i know that other people (laughs) who listen to the show have also finished the tv show you're about to talk about i watched andor andor which is what andor this is the Disney prequel TV show to a character from one of their films that was like a pre-sequel between their, their different films. So they released... Does it have a slash between and or? No, it feels like it should have because we all are programmers uh, and it's funny. Um, so one of the characters in a film that they made... Uh, died at the end of that film blah 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 they were they told us we're gonna give him a background story we're gonna we're gonna give you a whole tv yep. show about this character and i remember i think on the podcast i was like i don't want this this just seems like something i would never want why would i be invested in a character whose fate i know not really a compelling character just kind of is there to get the plot along uh and is just like the gray good guy bad guy rebel character and it turns out i really did want this show um it is very much okay. the the least disneyfied disney star wars show that there has been it is slow uh it it, it patiently develops characters it does still have a problem of like the the throwaway characters of the week as soon as you see somebody who's getting more screen time and you feel like they are and you know that they're going to kill that character at the climax of that episode that kind of thing that's happening still throughout this show there's all those weaknesses that you see in tv still but it is the the highest effort thing they've done uh, it clearly benefited from being produced outdoors. It actually went to scenes and sets and they actually built things and it's not just it's on Tatooine, the sand planet. Um, Interesting. And the characters all get a really good story for how you go from just like some guy who's trying to get along by making money breaking the law to being a full-blown rebel. Uh, we got background into Mon Mothma as a senator in this this period of the Star Wars universe where the Senate was losing control to the Emperor and, try, and she's trying to fight that mm-hmm. in several fronts, both legal and illegal. And 
they had this grand idea of a story to tell over two seasons because the second season is has been greenlit and is getting produced. Okay. And they are executing on it. It's not just like plot of the episode. They, not every single episode ends whatever the plot was. And there's actually a goal for the whole series. It's nice to have something come out of the Disney universe that has that has drive beyond just here's what happened to this character in this week. And then next week's kind of irrelevant. And the previous weeks are kind of irrelevant. Okay. It's Only- it a well-made show. And it's just probably not entertaining enough uh, en masse to be popular. Only question for me, does the film, film, does the TV show lose something because you know the lead character is going to survive? No. No. How they survive is the key part. How they become this grey rebel character is the key part. And if you haven't seen the films, maybe there is this element of like, when did they die? But when you're watching a TV show named after a character, you kind of know that they're the one that is the least likely to die until the last episode anyway. So there's there's not that suspense the whole time. And instead, they've introduced some other new characters who we don't know what happens to them. We don't know their their their, their fate. They've actually also brought back some other characters who we do know the fate of, or we do know where they end up. And it's this nice, cool mix of, of kind of retconning things, kind of altering things, but finding a place in a part of the of the of the of the established lore that I thought was overdone already, and fitting it all together really well, and I say really well on like a Disney level as a okay. as a this is not an award winning show in many categories. Fair enough. Maybe some acting credits, maybe some like design credits and sound effects and stuff like that. Okay, but uh, for a Disney Star Wars show. I loved it. It was it was more a me kind of show though. If you didn't if you find yourself talking about, you know, House of the Dragon being slow, not entertaining, that's the it's like the House of the Dragon of Star Wars in some elements. Like it isn't it's slow. You, they don't bash out the lightsabers every week and have a fun fist fight, you know? <laughs> okay. Nice. I'd be surprised if they had a fist fight with uh lightsabers, but hey, I, Stranger Things have happened. Exactly. I could write a show and have a fist fight with a lightsaber, it'd be great. Let's okay. Move on. I've got one more movie to talk about. I could talk about them I all, like but I I'm not going to. I didn't do justice, but no, I, you I can't keep going. That was anyway, enough. I can't keep going. Harry Potter, I am one film away, or we are one film away from having watched the entire ah, OG Harry Potter clap, clap. series. Wow. Now, I'm proud of you. I have become increasingly annoyed with these films because they've just stopped making sense. And bear in mind, I have not read the books. I'm sure the books do make sense because otherwise they wouldn't be quite as successful as they are. I am only judging this on the movies. And the amount of times, particularly in the Deathly Hallows Part 1, where I'm having to just shout at the TV, how how did he get there? Why is he there? Why did he do that? How does that make sense? And it's Uh constant... It's just constant to the the point where I've stopped enjoying it. You know, I really Uh did enjoy a popcorn movie like The Goblet of Fire. Because it follows a very straightforward plot. They have to do the challenge thing, and if they survive, well done, you get a star. And at the very end, well done, you you met Voldemort, and now you are moving on to the next movie. Whereas now... Because there's so many characters and lots of levers moving and character and new people who you have to get to know and you have to figure out, well, how did that work and how did they manage to do that? And it's gone beyond the point of disengaging my brain because with certain ones where it was, you know, Goblet of Fire is a good example, you could just enjoy that without having to think too hard. Yeah. Whereas now, 
there are literal human decisions being made, which with zero justification, and then when you ask them for the reason, it just doesn't make sense. Got it. So I feel I it. am annoyed now. I finished. We finished the Deathly Hallows Part One, and honestly, I don't care. Harry, maybe Harry Potter does die at the hands of Voldemort. I doubt it. But he might, and if he does, I don't care. I'm just annoyed by the films now because just a just a lack for me no. of what seems like logic or explanations. Whereas in the books, I'm sure because no. you've got the freedom to go into nope. the detail, nope. there's more of it. No, not really. The books are just longer. They don't make much sense. <laughs> Uh, once she started, no, but one... obviously they've got to follow some sort of logic no, but... because otherwise the fans would be like, "Oh, this is rubbish! I'm going to put it down." No, because at that point you're just invested in the characters, and the writers can get away with it as long as they keep some hitting the same theory. the same nails, you know. Um, they they keep hitting yeah. the same main things, and then you're fine with it. You've already invested yourself beyond the casual racism and beyond the problematic takes on slavery and the police, and beyond like the anti-Semitism uh, hints and stuff like that. <laughs> you've 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 sunk beyond all of that stuff. You can you can just read a final few bad books to get through them. I remember reading them when I was young, and I just burned through them. Okay, because there was just cliffhangers all the time, and I just read I just read straight through. I think the last book came out, and I read it in like a few days. Um, nice. But I, I, looking back on them, they don't make much sense. And I think uh, in a big part, it's just one of those things that happens with a book series sometimes where the author becomes a big name and they stop listening to their editors and they stop getting feedback and the books get just bloated and slow and yeah, okay. a little bit fan servicey, and then people just read them anyway because they are that popular. If you have a different opinion to us slash me on Harry Potter, please let me know because I would love to hear yeah. anyone's defense of the uh, final two movies. And I will report you back. You are past the point now where I, <laughs> where you should have encountered the problematic takes on slavery. Uh, was that in the films or is it just the books? I I am yet to to really think that deeply about it. The only thing I have noticed is the, uh, <laughs> the aforementioned sole black character in the entire franchise, Kingsley Shacklebolt. <laughs> so I, I don't terrible. remember if Hermione so did her okay. whole like anti-elf slavery things in the films, or if it was just the books. I I honestly don't remember. I don't particularly okay. care. Okay, okay. let's talk gonna, okay, two more them. stories. I'm never gonna know. Then we're going to finish up because the episode's long. Let's talk about Strange World. This is the new Disney okay. film, which is looks looks set to lose about 150 million dollars. Yep. Which would make it one of the biggest box office booms, uh, booms, big box booms. office bombs. Opposite of that, in bombs do years, boom. this is their new animation. I have barely seen an advert, let alone any sort of promotion, and uh, it opened globally at uh, twenty-eight million, which for a Disney film is absolutely terrible. It's a small, small number. So that's been, uh, yeah, a real concern from them, and it's also announced Disney this week. That Bob Iger, we talked about this when it happened, the former chief exec, who at that point was moving on, he had led Disney through some golden eras, is now coming back to take his old job. So clearly, things in Disney needed shaking up or going back to the old way. Well, yeah, the parks were were starting to tank, which is like their their goal yeah, thing yeah. that never is bad. The last guy had made them actually not super successful as well. Pandemic and other things contributed, of course. Um, but no, trusty trusty Bob Iger, he's back. Um, I'm not sure he was very keen on things like streaming and stuff like that, so who knows what the future is. Um, but we are, we're in a different era of film where more things just aren't going to be... Uh, theatrical they're not going to get the big theatrical release because that's a big investment and not many films 
make that much money back from the from the uh, the cinemas anymore. Well, hold on. We've hold discussed on. this for. I've just go, go go. I've just realized that Disenchanted, which is the sequel to the film Enchanted from about 20 years ago, which, if you recall, was nominated for three Oscars. Yeah, it's good Went film. straight to streaming. They put it straight on Disney+. Plus. They didn't even release it. Yeah. This is the one with, like, Amy Adams and all these other big names. Yeah. Uh, because, it's mad. Well, yeah, it's because Why? mid-budget films don't make their money back anymore. We've seen a lot of studios and a lot of uh, stars coming out to say this. Like, mid-budget films that used to rely on something like getting your money back in the box office and then getting DVD sales for profits, they don't make that anymore. You don't get the, the DVD afterwards. It's just the box office. And then fewer people are going to like, the actual cinema to watch them because they're like, ah, it's not a spectacle. I'll just watch it at home when it comes out, which is completely logical. So the market is changing. We're going to see fewer films getting the full worldwide release on all the screens that cost a lot of money to do marketing and distribution for it. And more things just going straight to streaming, even if they're good and even if they're mid budget and not just cheap um and i don't mind that because maybe only the spectacles should be on the big screens for the ones that will make their money back you know and yeah it's the end of cinema the, the film experience that's what happens to markets they change okay and talking of markets changing there was a time and place where you'd stick a politician on a reality tv show like i'm a celebrity get me out of here and they would get voted off first and lo and behold Hat Mancock, yes, the disgraced former health secretary uh, who was meant to go on I'm a Celeb to eat some kangaroo penis and, you know, eat cow ass. Get voted out, yeah. Not for fun. Get made fun of by the comedians. Would, would do all the things, get embarrassed and humiliated and go home. And yet, this weekend, he finished third. Yep. How? Well, why? Okay, let's examine this. One, let's examine. I haven't actually watched it at all, so all my opinions are pretty. I have seen some of pretty, it. Pretty vague. Uh, I'm going to say it clearly. All the people on the show with him didn't do a good enough job of tearing apart his career while he was there. Okay, well, it should have been endless. I will, I will push back on that a little bit because Graham does enjoy I'm a Celeb, and some of, in fairness, some of those uh, Bush Tucker trials look. A combination of either I would really want to do oh, that versus do disgusting. versus like that looks horrendous. And the likes of Boy George and a couple other of the contestants in there were absolutely set in their ways and said, look, he can say whatever he wants. I don't like him. I don't trust him. He's slippery. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he likes me very much anyway. So, so screw him. Yeah, but they're not. And so there were some, some people in the camp. Yeah, but they did put him on the spot fail. at any point. Oh, yeah. They asked him all the difficult questions and he basically said, well, I fell in love. Sorry. That was it. Yeah, so so it's just softball. It's just softballs. If your answer can be, well, I fell in love, you're softballing. What about all the other people in the nation who were in love, mate, right? Uh, this was an opportunity... Mate. For, I know, right? This was an opportunity for whoever was there to actually quiz him because they had full-time experience with him. Uh, I, I Clearly, they didn't because not a single highlight came out of like, hey, Hancock kind of struggled to answer this yeah. question. He just did the robot answers and got away with it. And then for all the events, as far as I can tell, he just roboted through them because he's a <laughs> yeah. robot. And he was so, just invisible. And it's one of those instances where it's somebody who is just so invisible and so irrelevant that they just exist and coast through until they suddenly are relevant because they made it this far and everyone's surprised and then they lose. Yeah, okay, so here's my take because I did see the the 
Bush Tucker trials that he kept getting nominated for. And you're right, he just did it with this robotic precision and he just he aced every single one. It wasn't a single trial. Yeah, because he's a robot. He, d- he like, didn't get all the stars possible because he just managed to do it. But the other thing was in his interactions with people. So, for example, the radio DJ Chris Moyles, who I grew up listening to, was also on the show. And there was an exchange where he was like, yeah. oh, Matt, tell me, what's... um." What's life like in the comments? And then Matt gave this like answer, finished talking, and then there was silence. And another that campmate was, was like, uh, oh, Matt, no. do you want to ask Chris a question about his job? Are you a human being? He knows it. It was right? so interesting. No? Okay. Just that this guy who clearly, yeah, there's something not quite fully there. So it was a bizarre experiment Brilliant. in seeing the British public vote for him to do all these horrible challenges. And yet still... Wanted to uh, yeah. wanted him to win. Well, certain people obviously did want him to win. But I, well, I I bet it's helped him. I'm I sure bet this has been a net career positive, which it shouldn't it shouldn't be possible for this to be a net career positive because he took a holiday from public service to do it. Yep, that's horrible. The fact that he made so much money by not for doing sure. his job and just going on some weird thing instead and getting publicity, he should be fired. But for him, it's probably garnered a whole bunch of sympathy from all the wishy-washy, I was just in love stuff. People are going to be like, oh, I get that. That's okay. And, oh, I guess he's done all those trials now. So that means that we've got justice and we can move on. We can all move on. And that'll be the thing because British people apparently just love moving on instead of like actually holding yeah. people accountable. Okay. Well, James... We've come to the end of a mammoth episode 300. Hooray for editing. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the fact that England and Wales are getting their census results coming out yeah. and getting published. Wow, the, that's huge. We'll, we'll talk about that maybe next time. <laughs> we'll look at all the stats and figure out what it means for people like us. I know, right? It, it is relevant. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. But anyway, sadly, out of time for that. Dear listener, if you've enjoyed the show, if you've had any thoughts, anything you would like to contribute, please do get in touch and we'll chat about it on episode 301. Wow. Which we'll we'll see you then. We will. Less of an exciting ring to that Huge one. Huge number, though. I don't know. I like non. I like the not round and popular numbers more. Everyone likes numbers okay. like 300 because it's nice. It's neat. It is nice. Everybody likes it. 301 is way better because not as many people like it. Okay. We'll see you then. I bet 301 as a number has far we'll more interesting then. facts about it than 300 does. We will see you then. See you in the better number. 301. Which is better than 300. Okay. See you. Enough. See you then. Bye. <laughs>